Want to help keep the lights on in Anarchy Basement? Then go to PRLfans.com. There you can find links to Patreon, PayPal, our Bitcoin info, and other ways to help support the podcast. Now, enjoy the show. Hello, I'm Matt Bergman, and you're listening to the Punk Rock Libertarians podcast, episode 310. I'm here tonight with Jared Schneiderman. What's up, guys? Kyle Wagner. Hey, everybody. Ginger Christensen. Hey. And name of the daddy. Howdy, y'all. Hey. So, number one tonight, um, we've got the DNC. So, DNC. Uh, the DNC. So, from what I gather, I didn't watch, but from, from what I've heard, um, I'm going to make some assertions here. So, yes. a couple interesting things happened. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I believe uh, AOC endorsed uh, Bernie Sanders, right? Yeah. Yep. And then uh, from there, you know, you had Michelle Obama specifically say, do not vote third party. So what is that? Is that just like an admission? Like, okay, come on, guys. I, I know our candidate's pretty bad, but don't vote th- third party. Yeah, oh. well, I think so. Oh, go ahead. No, go, well, I was just going to, before we got into that part, I was going to comment on the first thing you said, which is that it's not really, it's not really big news that she did that. It's actually part of um, the process. They will always nominate the runner-ups um, to, the, uh, to the winner of the, uh, of the actual nomination. And so they, the DNC actually asked her to do that. So she's not being a rebel or Aww. doing anything cool. Yeah. So, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, that was the that was the silver lining. I know, but yeah, there, there's no silver lining. It's just purely just lame um, as always. Yeah, purely lame. So I, I really like uh, Tulsi, man. I, I wish Tulsi had done better. Um, you know, just hearing some of the things she said about Harris. You know, I just forgot how assertive she was, and um, you know, she was probably during the because pri- there there was no Republican primary. She was the most liberty friendly candidate in in a major party right most anti-war candidate too and it's hilarious that that's what disqualified her basically that's what everybody would always hammer her on is oh she's a a assad stooge she's a putin stooge you know uh basically just cementing the fact that the democrats are the war party now yeah when it came down to it too didn't uh tulsi just go ahead and and endorse biden she yeah she she, she did she did she did yeah think so she did but that doesn't i mean what you know doesn't really mean anything to me um a lot of times they do that it's like okay well now that uh, the options are trump and biden i I, you know we need to rally together the party usually rallies together around whoever the nominee is i don't remember i think we all have that gap where we miss ron paul yeah yeah never endorsed romney and just never never did what he was supposed to do like why don't we have that anywhere anymore well yeah, ron paul was uh, ron paul was kind of exceptional i mean kind, yeah, yeah. Well, kind well does tulsi <laughs> still have her seat does tulsi still no have her she seat? lost her seat yeah, she lost her seat right <laughs> oh, oh really? are you kidding me yeah she lost her seat Jeez. that's so sad so she sold her soul to the devil and then lost her seat yeah because i really love her and the thing is, if they don't, they can lose their place in the party. Like they can get kicked out of the party if they don't endorse the the candidate that wins their nominee. So they can get in trouble for that. Um, 
Mitt Romney is a good example of that from last year. Wasn't that Mitt Romney that did that? Uh, where yeah. he didn't want to, was he the holdout? No. Kind of a never Trumper, but I mean, he obviously didn't get kicked out of the party, although uh, everybody in the party hates him now. At the last minute, he went ahead and endorsed Trump. Okay. Um, because, was that Mitt though? Anyway, um, at the last minute, he went ahead and endorsed Trump because he had to, or he would have lost his place in the party. He would have been kicked out. And it was kind of like salty about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just shows you how awful the two party system is. And that's also highlighted by Michelle Obama's speech, right? I mean, that's literally all they have going for them as Democrats is we're not Trump and they know it. So they're trying to get out in front and make sure nobody votes third party. Yeah, I almost never hear an argument for Biden that isn't, well, he's not Trump. Okay, so that just means you listen to the media a lot. Right. What else? I mean, the best you could do with a candidate out of everybody you have in your entire party is just somebody that's not Trump. That's all you've got. How bad well, is your party that that's all you've got? And the oldest, whitest the writer of the crime bill <laughs> whose VP is like a prosecutor for the drug war yeah. who threw a whole generation of black kids in the slammer. Uh, he's just... also orange. <laughs> now well, he's and they'll come orange. at you with, at least they're not fascists or we got to get the fascists out. But every time somebody says that to me, I'm like, aren't they though? Like, isn't that the point? They're fascists too. They're just blue fascists. It's like blue raspberry. It's the same flavor. It's just a different color. Right, yeah, like, uh, like I hate the idea that like fascist has to be right wing. It's like right. now, like to me, fascist is anybody who's trying to tell you what to, you know, what tell you what to do, right? Trying to force you. Not technically, no. It's it's a political philosophy and well, an ideology. Yeah, like I don't think that it's necessarily has to be quote unquote right wing. But the, to me, the Democrats opinion. are fascists because they want a corporatist state where the the profits are privatized. There's corporate entities, right? And the big boys and the state work together. To yeah, you've got that private. You've got that private public partnership. So that, yeah, that, that's exactly because that's so, what they always accused us of trying to do. But yeah, look, there. But there are people on the left that say like, well, it's impossible for a Democrat to be a fascist. Right, <laughs> and it's like no. I was having the um, the Jorgensen versus Trump um, debate today, or like in my group on Facebook, I was having an argument or a discussion with somebody about who to vote for, and um, you know, because I was saying, well, what are we doing as a movement? What action are we taking to advance liberty right now? It doesn't seem like it's very much. And I was like, maybe I should be doing more to support Joe Jorgensen. I, I have not done much. I haven't shared her pages. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't have a sign in my yard. Kyle, I haven't donated money. Kyle, you haven't done dick, Kyle. I haven't done anything for her. Quite frankly. And I haven't done anything for local candidates, and I'm not running. So it's like, what, what am I, you know, it's easy for me to criticize the movement, but I'm not doing anything. And so I was like, all right, well, maybe I, maybe I should do more to support Jorgensen. And then, you know, the question came up, well, you know, realistically, you're down to two choices. 
um, of the people that are probably going to win. So is there a case to be made to vote for Trump? Um, now in Maryland, I, I always make this point, we do not live in a swing state. This, this state is already penciled in in ink for Biden and it does not matter what the polls say here. I, there's no point in polling Marylanders. Marylanders going to, Maryland is going for Biden. So, um, you know, my vote doesn't really matter either way, just based on the numbers. But um, the point is, if you're a pragmatist, you could say, well, I'm going to vote for Trump over Biden as the lesser of two evils. Um, but, you know, and somebody said, well, what's so bad about Biden? You know, why, why is he not, why is he worse than Trump? You know, and then they said whatever Trump's latest thing was as evidence that Trump was pure evil. And I said, well, this, this is my perception of Democrats is that they are, uh, yeah, I see nice later. They're, uh, they're anti-business, you know, I just, I get a perception that they're anti-business, that they just want to raise taxes and increase government spending. Whereas Trump, I feel like he perceives and, and this is kind of giving them a bare minimum that business is a good thing and that lower taxes are a good thing, right? Th those are not Democrat beliefs. So, well, but he um, isn't, he does not believe that, that lowering spending is a good thing. Right. That, that is true. That is a but very good point. Well, <laughs> yeah. can, I, can I give you this thought mm -hmm. and, and just something to consider? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be one to tell people they have to do something at all. Um, and everybody has their own logic and their own kind of way that they want to play this particular game of chess, right? But nationally, if Libertarians or Green Party, any party, third party, that gets 5% of the vote, then raises their status enough, they suddenly have federal access to federal funds, they are suddenly considered a major party, um, they have easier things like ballot access, they're included in the debates. And so I've often suggested to people that if they really feel their vote doesn't count, that it would be a good idea to go ahead and vote for just any third party you want. But I mean, I would prefer libertarians. Um, and there's a real chance that libertarians will hit that this year, that they'll get at least that 5% of the vote. Um, We've had more press than ever. We've had more signatures on ballots than ever. For yeah, that. but I mean, like, don't you think we're we're also um, we've got some like wasted opportunities going on when you've got like Joe Jorgensen makes statements like, uh, "Hey, uh, congrats, Joe Biden, for picking a uh, woman POC as your VP candidate." I think she was trying to be classy there because she immediately then turned around. What does that do for us, though? It yeah. was not a good tweet, and it wasn't POC. It does, I don't think she nothing. said POC. I think it was just welcome a woman you know. to the boys. The VP shouldn't be a, a boys club. Yeah, so it well, it's, just, it's like a, attack her policy. She has shit ass policy. Well, you know, she did Joe after Jorgensen. that, didn't she? <laughs> yeah, she oh, did after that. That's not what anybody her. remembers. Yeah, yeah. She, we all do. She turned around and completely slammed it. And Spike never said congratulations. He just slammed it across the board. Yeah, and, well, hooray for Spike. Yeah, yeah. I, you I know, mean, Joe Jorgensen Spike's is been doing a pretty human. bang up job. I, I, I think. I really like him. I had no idea who he was, but he killed it on Dave Smith's show. I thought I was like, "This is the guy. He's dope." Yeah, right. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. He's good times, man. Kind of wish mean, he was the. Uh, I mean, I like Joe, but I kind of wish it was Spike was the. Uh, the head. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, like it, it could very whatever. well be Spike later. You know, could be. Yeah. 
Well, I think I'll also with Joe's, t- Joe's tweet about the female Veep, didn't at the end of it, she mentioned that she was like one of the first female Veep, can- like when she ran with uh, Harry Brown, because she was, she was uh, yeah. a female Veep candidate in the early 90s or late 80s or something. And she was like, now, and now I have an opportunity to be, you like, know, a woman president. So well, here's, the, here's the thing. To, to here's the thing. I don't remember any of that, dude. Like, I just remember when she's giving props to somebody because of the gender that they happen to be born. And it's like, yeah. that's just like irrelevant. You've got like horrible fucking policy. In, in the bad way. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, and it gets us no points for those people. Because when she's virtue signaling to the people who like think that we're racist. And they're going to say that we're racist because of our economic policy you know they're gonna say us we're that we're racist no matter what so it doesn't even get us points with them so it, it's just like it's just like a waste of shit it's like yeah. a waste of statement it did seem like she's trying to appeal to the to, to the left both of them actually and so i was wondering if that is what triggered the statement from michelle obama saying don't vote third party unless there's something going on with the green party that I don't know about. But if, if you think about it, these third parties typically just play spoiler. You have a close election. It's, you know, 48 to 47%. And that 1% is the difference. And so they're concerned with losing that one or 2% that ends up being the slim margin. Well, I mean, is it really a, is it really a spoiler? I mean, no. like, I hate that idea because it's like, if you, if you're so worried about a spoiler, then run some good candidates. <laughs> yeah, you know? we're never entitled to everybody's vote. And and so I think that what they're concerned about is right now, um, Joe in in other polls, because she's not being included in a lot of the mainstream polls, in polls that she is included in, she beats Biden every time. Hmm. And she beats Trump a good portion of the time, too. Um, that doesn't mean that she would necessarily win the presidency. Um, but it does mean that a lot of people really want change. And then there's also a big portion of people that were following Sanders that have left party recently. Yeah. And, and so not only is this year we have had more libertarian press coverage for this particular candidate. She hands down has gotten more. She's polling higher. She's pulling way higher, like a real. She's getting more press than Gary Johnson, because I mean, I haven't seen her on like the the Sunday news shows and stuff like that, though, right? I mean, actually, she has. She's been on some of those things so far. She has been on. Did she get on the View yet? Um, she hasn't been on the View yet. They, they were, she was Johnson talking about trying to get on there. Month. Sorry to interrupt. Um, you, but. Oh no, no, you're good. I'm Chad. <laughs> so. Um, Johnson didn't get on there until about the last month of the ele- of election season. So Kyle, can you turn your vibrator on silent? <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to clear his chakras. She's had more press coverage at this stage than any other candidate. She's had more signatures on ballots than any other candidate. She's getting more people on her pages across the board than any other candidate we've had third parties. So I think they are worried and maybe they should be, but maybe like, like you were saying, they should have presented a better candidate then. 
Yeah, I, I think you said it, Jared, or whoever said it. It's the progressive wing that they're worried about, right? Biden was the establishment candidate. Bernie was the progressive candidate. And they're worried that this pro that progressive wing of the party is going to turn their nose up at Biden, vote in anger or disgust for Green Party or Libertarian Party. She doesn't care which one it is, just that they're not voting for Joe, Joe Biden. And so that's what she's that's what Obama is worried about. Michelle Obama is so worried about. If that's the weakness that Michelle Obama perceives, doesn't it make sense that Joe Jorgensen should maybe court those voters or go after them in some way? I mean, maybe not uh -huh. by tweeting SJW oh, stuff. Uh -huh. I mean, not really, because then you're just you're just grabbing the, that protest vote, but it's not to win. It's nah, just to dude, play spoiler. Dude, that was a good point, Kyle. You just can't shoot that down, dude. <laughs> I'm not shooting it down, but I mean, what what's the end effect? The end effect is that Trump wins, right? But I thought that, that you didn't care about that. I thought in your head Trump is the lesser. Kyle, I, I just feel like you're mansplaining. I, yeah, I, I do. Well, I, I think I do. I just I feel mean, like we, you're, we you're, could I really feel like you're mansplaining show. from a point of, of white privilege. I, <laughs> it, what are you talking point about? Personal I'm just being, I'm being ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> point of, point of, oh, that's from the LNC. Jared's like the no, point, but, of per, point of personal privilege. Well, I said uh, point of personal white privilege. For okay, you, so, Kyle. <laughs> Hey, so, so maybe, maybe, maybe that's maybe that's a valid point, though. Maybe, maybe Joe, maybe Joe can grab some of these people. I, I don't know. Well, I mean, and attack maybe attack Joe Biden from the left. Attack him on being a cop lover. Attack him yeah. on mass incarceration. Attack right. him on the war. Attack attack him on. The, and she does. She has attacked him on the drug war. You know, she's the only candidate that's for yep. legalization. Right. Right. And then I, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with courting the people. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that that was it. That's all I had. I think she's been courting both sides pretty equally. Yeah, I don't see anything wrong with courting the left, but if you're going to court the left, what you need to do is you need to cater your message around the things that they care about and not not just say random shit like – or not, not random shit, but not just pander. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, like I've said a few times on the show, I mean, there's many things that the left cares about that libertarians talk about all the time, you know, whether it's the um, – you know, war, some leftists don't like war, um, the drug war, mass incarceration. These are things that they talk about as well. So, you know, I don't see a problem with catering the message to the left as long as it's still in line with the actual principles. Right. Yeah, because you risk, you risk turning off the, your base. Your exactly. base is reading this stuff and not the hardcore. I mean, and, but you, like, and, and I think the goal is if, you know, we got to think long term here, right? We want to create more libertarians, ideally, right? So yeah. if we just cater to people who are interested in, you know, SJW principles, if you can call them that, uh, you know, maybe we get them to vote for Joe for this election, but then next election, where, where are they going? They're going back to the Democrats. They're going back to the progressives. Right. They're not going to stick around. Yeah, you're not teaching anybody or converting anybody, which I right. thought Ron Paul did extremely well. I mean, exactly. he may have lost the election, but he certainly created a heck of a lot of libertarians, number-wise. Yeah, and well, like he raise our hands. How many of us were created by Ron Paul? Yeah. How I mean, many of us became libertarians because of Ron Paul? Right. So three out of five. I mean, it's a pretty like, high percentage. That was yeah, an I mean, effective campaign on that that metric. And and while I wasn't created by Ron Paul, I would say that I was reinvigorated by Ron Paul. I mean, I, I think I came to libertarian around that time, libertarianism around that time, but just because I was picking a party. 
<laughs> in high school. So I don't think it was because of Ron Paul. I just wait. You ra you randomly chose libertarians and just stuck with it, or there was a reason yeah. when you were in high school. Well, there there were lots of reasons. In in government class, you're supposed to figure out which align with your views best, and it was libertarianism. And not only that, in in Idaho at the time. Um, we had a really good party chair that would go around to all of the high schools and he would talk to everybody and he would convert you in high school, you know, essentially, which is when you pretty much do choose your party affiliation. A lot of people pick one and stick with it for life. And, yeah, well, and so that's what they're supposed to do. I mean, that's a good case for having an LP is that it, it at least opens some people's minds to the notion that there might be some other choice besides A or B, right? Right. Yeah, Just I never lose my distance. mind that they would even have that as an option in a, in a high school government class. They'd even mention that. I mean, they're never going to talk about anarchy in a high school government class, so that's a really good point about yeah. libertarianism. Our, our government class teacher invited the party chair from every party, and so we, even, we didn't have, I don't think, Green Party at the time. So I'm pretty old, but she had... Um, she had people from some other ones. I just don't remember what they were. <laughs> we have just, we have a new yeah. one in Maryland. It's uh, Bread and Roses, I think it's called. Is that right, yeah. Jared? Yeah, yeah it's, a, the, it's like a socialist, progressive. Uh, it's like party. a Green Party. Yeah, kind of like the Green Party. But we do also have the Green like Party. Bread lines? Is that where the bread comes from? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. The rose I've seen the roses as Roses for the funerals of all the... the Capitalist the rose is a symbol of democratic yeah. socialism. I've seen that. Yeah, I think that's what they are. Is more of a, the Green Party is kind. Of, I guess they're somewhat socialist, but there's they seem to be more focused on environmental stuff. Whereas I think yeah. the Bread and Roses is like just straight up Bernie, AOC type shit. I don't know like, if the Greens democratic. got back on this this year. Uh, we had reduced oh, yeah. reduced signature requirements because of COVID. So it was only like, I think, 5,000, and the LP turned in 7,000. So they did manage, at least my, assuming they're all valid, we're going to be on in Maryland again. So I don't know if the Greens were successful doing the same thing. They actually came That's to my house, the Greens. Really? And I, and I yeah, I, I signed for them. Oh, nice. Yeah, well, they said they signed for the Libertarians. So I said, all right, I'll sign for you. <laughs> Yeah, I'll I'll sign for any third party because yeah. they should have a right to the ballot access. Right. Like, how ridiculous is this? If you're running for president, you should just be on the ballot. I don't. That makes me feel guilty, uh, Jared, that somebody came to your house for the Green Party and I like didn't go door to door for the LP. I, I just, mean, I didn't either, dude. I couldn't. I I just <laughs> I don't know, man. I hate doing that. I hate knocking on people's doors. Yeah. Well, I didn't, you know, especially with COVID going on, like. Oh, true. Yeah. You know, that just makes it even more awkward to be like knocking on people's doors and shit. <laughs> yeah. You know. But the only time I knock doors the... for political. What's that? Go ahead. Here's a pen that your last fifty neighbors. Political... <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kyle, your turn. <laughs> You're All right. about to make a joke. <laughs> well, my joke got killed now, so you go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Neva. I was saying the only time I ever canvassed was for John Kerry in 2006. What the fuck? <laughs> dude, where were you, oh, wow, where were you like, where were you like, uh, 06 sucking dicks? 
Is that what you? <laughs> yeah, that's what it was like. <laughs> wow, man! Uh, he inspired uh, the passion. No, that, was, that wasn't anybody but Bush year, or, or no? I guess it wasn't '06. Anybody but that sounds r- even gayer, dude. Anybody but Bush. Yeah, it was. It was pre Ron Paul, <laughs> but they they got everybody that year with that. But that's that was the well, they I guess they lost, but that was the same thing as as now, right? The Democrats were like, "Who do we got? We John Kerry, and he was a terrible yeah. candidate." So that was their whole shtick was. Yeah. Anybody but Bush. Yeah, and yeah I, was, I was knocking the door saying that. No yeah, more dude, Bush. Dude, I, I was I was just fucking with you, man. <laughs> but uh, you know, just like uh, sometimes I like to think of like the most ridiculous thing that I can say. But, sometimes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a lot of the time. Okay, <laughs> so it's punk right. rock, baby. You're, you're just right. on brand. Exactly. So okay, so we're gonna go to topic number two now. Okay, and. Uh, Okay, so the the Trump pardon. So, you know, I remember on Monday night, I read something about, like, Donald Trump said he was going to pardon somebody who was, like, tremendously important tomorrow or something, right? Everybody thought it was Snowden, and then I was, uh, I was hoping the real optimists thought it was Ross. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And then Tuesday came, and it, it ended up being uh, Susan B. Anthony. What's surprising to me is that anyone was surprised. <laughs> like, since when has he ever said, hey, I'm going to do this thing, and then actually did something cool? Before I didn't think he, he was going to do anything good. But- <laughs> he, has, he has done some things that are cool. Maybe a few, but not very much. And before he got elected, he said he was going to pardon Snow- Snowden and Assange, and he didn't. Did, did he, he ever say that? I don't think he. I don't think he ever did say that before. Like I, I think just, I think just recently he said he was interested interested in learning more about Snowden. I believe something like that. I don't know. I think some people voted for him because he said he was going to try to pardon Assange. No, nah, I, mean, I mean, how could he pardon Assange? Because he's Assange, not. He's not under U.S. He's not. No. Under U.S. capture, right? He's like captured by. Uh, the France or, or, or Great Britain, I think. He was in Ecuador and now he's in England. Right. Uh, but, a number of countries had had charged him with various crimes and the, the U.S. was on the list of people waiting to. Is, it, is a pardon the same as dim- dismissal of charges? Because I was confused about that. You know, Snowden hasn't been tried and convicted. He's just yeah. presumably wanted for these charges. That's what so, I was arguing last podcast was how can you pardon legal. somebody that hasn't been convicted? I, I think you actually have to have a convicted a, a conviction, right? Yeah, they're can, innocent. Can't you order uh, the agency to stop pursuing it, though? I mean, can't you tell yeah. whatever investigators yeah. are to stop going after them? It would be pardoned. It's up to the prosecutor to decide to charge somebody or not, so the president could. Or he could just fire the prosecutor. Yeah. But why Susan B. Anthony? That doesn't make sense to me. Like I wasn't surprised that it wasn't somebody good, but I was surprised that it was a dead person. And I didn't even know Susan B. Anthony was ever in trouble. Like I thought she was one of the great heroes you learn about in government school. Um, she she had been in prison a time or two because of um, fighting for women's suffrage, and it was the hundred year anniversary of women's suffrage, and so that's why. Which and, is why, which is why people are taking this as as like a a plea to like uh, for Trump to like, 
you know, like kind of throw a nod to female voters, right? Yeah, and and it's not unusual for a president to do something nominal like that. Um, He's just trying to grab that he, pussy he at the at the ballot box. He's <laughs> <laughs> trying to grab this pussy. pussy though. Pardon that pussy. <laughs> it, just kinda, it just kind of fell really. Did that wet ass ballot box like, pussy. So? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you pardon Frank? That's really on a roll tonight. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the biggest deal. So well, it yeah, just, it, it's sort like, of flat. Yeah, like what pissed me off is that there are so many people rotting in prison right now. Mm. Like, yeah, shit. Everybody knows this, and then you pardon somebody from like a hundred years ago or something. Right. It's just like what the fuck. I mean, how, even pardoning like one non. I don't know. Yeah. Even pardoning like one just no-name non-violent offender would be a thousand times better than pardoning fucking Susan B. Anthony. Well, well yeah, didn't he pardon a bunch of like actual people in jail when Kim Kardashian came and chatted That's true. with him about? Yeah, so he's already pardoned. He, he could have done that again. He yeah, could have. I mean, yeah. Like, so, yeah, kudos for that. But yeah, and that's why I say like he has done some cool things, you know. Which Nima Nima just named one. You know. Yeah, if he had let it Ross out, that would have been just fucking wild, man. Totally, that would have been titties. Been titties. Meanwhile, could have had him on the show. They just arrested like a thousand people in nine U.S. cities um, from some program that Trump had. What was it? Uh, Operation Legend. So they just arrested a thousand people, many on drug charges, 90 for unsolved murders, I think. But most of them were on drug charges in nine U.S. cities. I think that just happened. So they could have pardoned one of the people on drug charges from this operation, but instead he arrested a thousand people. Well, these, well, these, these guys don't think that drugs should be illegal, though. Yeah. I wouldn't expect them to, you know, take that stance. Well, what's funny is, again, when Trump was running the first time, a lot of the Republicans and, and even some of the libertarians that went ahead and voted for him voted for him because he hinted at the idea that he might legalize marijuana. It's good politics. <laughs> you know, he does that a lot. He just, he'll throw you a little bone. Like I'm, I'll, Wait, we're working see, on that. We're thinking about that. Yeah, we're like, looking into like, it. We're looking at it. He does it, but bad politics when Joe Jorgensen courts people. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like, uh, I don't remember Trump ever hinting at legalizing marijuana. He did. I'll pull I, I'm just saying, I, I, I don't, I just, I'm saying, I personally don't remember it. He definitely hinted at ending the wars. Something. I remember that. Oh, yeah. yeah. He said, he said he was. He called to... Iraq War One or Iraq War Two one of the biggest mistakes in history. Yeah. Like in South Carolina, he said that. I, I remember that. He also said uh, the U.S. should not be the policeman of the world. I remember that too. Yeah. yeah. And now he's sending feds. Although, didn't George W. Bush say that as well in 2000? He did. He, he did. probably did. <laughs> that's true. Obama probably said it too. <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's true. Obama that's, got elected saying that he was going to pull all of the troops out of the Middle East. Yeah, he was. And a they gave him candidate. a peace prize. Yeah, yeah right. Well, and that's the thing too, because every year there's one candidate that's more anti-war than the others, and usually the anti the more perceived anti-war candidate wins, whether it's yeah. Trump or Obama. But this year there's no who's who's more anti-war. Who's the more perceived anti-war candidate? In Joe my Jorgensen. head, it's Trump, but is that what people perceive? <laughs> Joe, yeah, Joe Jorgensen. 
Yeah. Well, out, out of Biden and Trump, which one is either? Neither one of them is is really a peace candidate. Is that fair? You know. Yep. That's Definitely really fair. To me, though, Biden I mean, represents best, the the establishment, the military establishment, like the people who want to get back to starting more wars. Mm. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Trump is like, all right, we just won't start any more wars. <laughs> We're not going to stop the ones that we have on going, but no, but I mean, we don't have to worry he, about like starting trying to more. stop some stuff too. He tried. I mean, he tried to pull troops out of Syria and Afghanistan, and was stymied in different ways both times. I don't yeah. understand how that's possible, though. I was always under the impression that the president, as commander in chief, could just like pull people out. Mm-hmm. He can, I guess, if he directly orders it, but he just on the media one day said, we're pulling troops out of Syria. Like he didn't like go through the proper channels and yeah. do the proper stuff and check the proper boxes. And then he's Trump. So he kind of forgets about it and yeah. people <laughs> threw him away from it. And he's not really principled, so he doesn't stick to it and keep it going, you know? Right. Well, at, at, least- at one point, he hinted that he was going to bring Blackwater back instead. So he was going to pull troops out and then privatize it. And I don't know if that ever happened. At least we haven't heard much about North Korea, you know. That used to be like every couple months a lot of, um, you know, mm-hmm. war talk with North Korea, and I haven't heard anything like that in quite a while. Yeah, I wonder what's yeah. going on there. I, I thought. Think, I, I thought well, was... I think. Go ahead. I think. You Did you guys say... hear about the dogs thing? I heard like Kim Jong Un is like banning dogs or something like that. <laughs> Did anybody hear that? Anything that brings joy is banned. (laughs) Well, he's been pretty sick. And there for a while, they thought he died and then his sister was going to take over. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. That kind of dropped off the news rotation, huh? Yeah. So I think he's just been kind of (laughs) chilling. I don't think... There was also a recent story that the North Koreans were able to miniaturize their nukes and actually be able to put them on medium range missiles, which I guess they don't have now. They have nukes, but they don't have them small enough. Um, but there was no evidence. It was just kind of like one of those things that the establishment puts out. So I feel like the establishment is pushing on it because there is no real conflict there right now. It's not hot. So every now and then you'll get these nudges from the media like, hey, well, this could happen, you know? Wouldn't a mini be so cool? You could have them in your dollhouse and like set them off sometimes, or you could like throw them at your sister. That'd be great. I got to read this headline. I got to read you this dog's headline. So it says, Kim Jong-un orders North Koreans to hand over pet dogs so they can be used as meat. Wow. <laughs> wait, who, wait, what? What? what uh, like some FDR type shit. What news organization is this? I mean, if you just Google Kim Jong-un dogs, it's a oh bunch of them. Yeah. So it's not Babylon B? No, it was, that was, I don't know, I think it was New York Post, but there's a bunch of them. There's like a ton of different sources saying that, and it's not all across North Korea. It's just in um, Pyongyang. I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly. uh, One city. Did you hear about Babylon B getting banned off of, uh, or suspended on Twitter? Twitter, Yeah, Yeah, I heard about that too. They're back on, but apparently they lost like tons of their subscribers. Yeah, so I I don't know. Like, yeah. like, I think Babylon B is probably my most trusted uh, news source. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely my most viewed I mean, news like, source. Right? <laughs> yeah, them and the hard times.net, man. 
It's what happened about- to the onion? I mean, did ba- Babylon uh-huh. B just take over? No, during the last election cycle, the people that own Hillary Clinton, um, they bought the onion and they made it not funny. Oh. <laughs> Hold on, there's more to this uh, Kim Jong Un thing. So I'm, I'm reading that he had issued a ban on pets in July, calling the practice a form of capitalist decadence. <laughs> and tainted by own another creature. <laughs> and, and tainted God. by bourgeoisie ideology. <laughs> Hmm. In the U.S., if you came out anti-dog, you would definitely lose your election. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the source said that some of the dogs have been sold to restaurants that sell dog meat. Jesus Christ. There's restaurants that, that specifically sell dog meat in Korea? Apparently. Korea has re- North Korea has restaurants? That, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they have. Every time I see a video of it, it looks like it's a skit or a play. <laughs> yeah. yeah they're like welcome to our restaurant and they're like there's no other customers here and they're like hmm? they shrug their shoulders you know <laughs> here's a beautiful <laughs> modern hospital and then like it's like oh here's the patient and there's like one person in the entire <laughs> hospital and she's like yes i am the patient <laughs> okay so i want to i want to take things over to nima and uh so nima austin defunds pigs Porky, yeah, less less bucks for the porks. Um, the city council, which I have mixed feelings about. I mean, they're a city council, so I obviously don't like them for that. Um, but they did apparently propose in their new budget, I think it was like $150 million less for APD, which to my ears at first is like music to my ears. Um, of course, everybody in Facebook is like, what are we going to do with the money? Where should the money go? To me, it's obvious you just give it back, right? Defund and refund. Everybody's trying to think of new government channels and places to put it. And I'm just like, no, stop. (laughs) But it's progress. But then the governor is trying to rain on the parade. Uh, He says he's going to freeze the property tax rates of any municipality that defunds police. Now, when I first heard that, I thought he was going to freeze their money. Like they wouldn't be able to use the property. And I thought that was cool because that's kind of defunding the government. But he actually means they're not going to be able to raise the rates, the amounts they charge for property tax. So that's kind of cool. So, I mean, that's kind of a win-win, right? We defund the police and property taxes stay the same. So I guess I got to shrug about that. Um, property taxes but I'm stay also the same. Proud. Shouldn't property taxes go down? If you're, if you're defunding the police, like, shouldn't you get some of that money back? I would hope. I, mean, I, I, I want to defund the schools because if you look at the property I mean, taxes, it's like more than half of it here. Nima, this sounds a little retarded because they're like, hey, guys, check it. We could defund the police and our taxes will stay the same. And it's like, no, you're talking about like taking money away from something. I should get taxes yeah. back. What the fuck? Yeah, exactly. And if we, if we hit it like that, maybe we could get some people, some anti-tax people to push the defund the police thing instead of it just being like a lefty thing. Right. Right, yeah. Yeah, maybe I wonder if that's what they're trying to frame it as because like lefties do t- seem to love taxes if they're saying, well, we're not going to, we're not going to, have taxes or we're not going to raise taxes anymore. Uh, we okay. defund the yeah, police. Maybe. They're like, oh, yeah. well, in that case. <laughs> yeah, what if we had to like hashtag more Glocks, less cops? Okay. <laughs> Do you see crime becoming a problem if they're, I mean, uh, with a reduced police presence? No, we have way too many here in Austin. I mean, this is like the nicest town I've ever lived in. There's no, there's almost no crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's drunken debauchery all the time on 6th Street. And people, they fight every now and then. They shoot each other every now and then. 
but not that often. I mean, it's a big shrug for me. Um, to me, the police are always just out there writing tickets, generating revenue, harassing right. people, doing all the stuff that they always do. And if there's less of them to do that, then I'm happy. Yeah, Baltimore well, yeah. is the opposite of that. Oh, yeah? Is that where you're at? Yeah. Be more. Yeah, that's a, that's a rough city, right? It, it, <laughs> your, it your football is. players kill each kill people. <laughs> we we have a lot of a lot of shootings, a lot of gun violence every night but, on the news. But y'all robberies, also but we also have a heavy police are, presence right? too. A, a police I don't, presence. I don't know that we do. I mean, I don't Kyle, know what their numbers are. Dude, the, Kyle, the budget like for Baltimore. Hold on. The I feel like Kyle's the, speaking from a point of white privilege again. The Baltimore City Police Department budget is like half a billion dollars or something insane like that. Something insane. So, like, to say that there isn't a police presence is just absolutely ridiculous. Well, they may be getting the money, but I'm saying I thought that after the Freddie Gray riots, there was a lot of the police sort of mentally just sort of checked out and were like, okay, we're going to sit in our car and not really. I don't know how aggressive they're being at fighting crime because the community is turned against them for the most part. So they may have the resources, and not, but not the motivation. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Well, and what's the gun rights situation there? That's way different than in Texas, right? In Baltimore, Maryland. It's very uh, Yeah, you're not allowed to have guns pretty much. I mean, you can, but you it's can like, have guns, but you, you can't can have you can have them, but you can uh, own them, but you can't have them on your person. Yeah, you can't you can't uh yeah, you can't you, open carry or it's extremely hard to get a, a concealed carry permit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in not Texas, some, yeah. you expect people to have, you assume that people could have a gun. You don't assume that everybody has one. But you kind of got to expect. You assume it. that they could. It's right? likely that the person you're talking about has one. I right. think that's how they operate in the city too. Um, to be honest, I mean, <laughs> yeah. right? Don't don't, don't you mean, think they, they just depending assume? on what neighborhood you're in? Yeah, yeah. But if you're if you're just like me or you in the city, they're probably not going to assume that you have a gun on you. So yeah, that's I mean, kind of to your it's to your detriment. It's a little scary. Like they're, they're Kyle, busy, Kyle, busy. Kyle, that sounded like some white assumption. But I mean, I, I've been living here. I've been living in the city for three years now. Actually, maybe maybe it's four now. And I have yet to, I mean, I've yet to have any incident with um, violence or anything. Knock on wood. Yeah. So. Well, in a lot of cities, you don't call the cops for violence and things like that. I mean, there's a lot of assumption that you might. But in most in most U.S. cities, it has become a thing where, and it'll surprise you, um, they do not have a property crimes division. So if you are robbed, the police might come take a report, but they will not investigate it. And they won't tell you that they're not going to investigate it. They just take a report and they leave. If you are having a domestic dispute, they will not come at all. If, which might also include something like a bar fight. So these are things where you would think you would want to call the police, but you can't. You can't call the police for those things in a lot of cities. And that's why people want the police defunded is because the problem is the police come out and they enforce things like traffic tickets and drug laws, but they're, they're only interested in investigating crimes against the state and charging for that, and they are not interested in protecting citizens and that's that's the problem and a lot of people seem to want to not notice that the problem is the police are killing people because of things like possibility of drug crimes but 
they won't help you if somebody is trying to stalk you and kill you. Yeah, I mean, it's like they're killing people for possibility of a good time. Yeah. <laughs> how, how dare you have marijuana and die for the marijuana? Well, yeah, they're, they're not your security force, and they never have been. Uh, Tom Woods was on Scott Horton the other day talking about how the first police departments in New York, they would just get fired every time a new mayor got elected. And the mayor would hire all his buddies to be the policemen. And it was like a, a graft thing. Like you had to bribe somebody to get on the police force. And then you're just basically the goon squad for the local government. And I don't think that's ever changed. I think that's, they're not your security force. They're just the goon squad for whoever's sitting there in the local government. Isn't that how Bill Clinton came into power in the first place? He had the sheriff's department and the police department on his payroll. And in fact, Gary Johnson got beat up by the sheriff's department over Bill Clinton. Um, not when he was running for president, but back when Clinton was governor. And that's a thing to look up. Um, so like Bill Clinton would just have anybody running against him be beat up by the sheriff's department and hauled in or, or charged and arrested with things. And so he rose to power that way. Aha. Uh -huh. so, it definitely yeah. sounds like some Clinton <laughs> shit. <laughs> I don't know the footnotes on that, but that sounds about right. <laughs> they've, they've never been in it for you. It's, it's always been for money. That's been my experience. I've met maybe one or two cops in my lifetime I could trust. And the rest of them are all about enforcing crimes against the state. They're looking for people that might roll over on other people and especially on drug charges because drugs are federalized. They get more money for more drug charges per state. Right. Well, the thing about it is though, when you, when you call that out, a Republican, it just falls deaf on their ears. Like they shrug. And then when you, you say, Hey, it's a socialist group. Like they don't have customers. Their customers are not you. They're, they're just government welfare you know people you know they're getting money from the government not from you well i think a lot of the right is is really blind to the idea that it's it's almost it is a little bit entitled where you've never been the target so how would you know <laughs> you th you still think that they're inherently good because you've been allowed to believe that you've never had a gun to your head wherein you wouldn't have to believe that where suddenly your re perception of reality changes but i have <laughs> you know i think sometimes i think sometimes both the right and the left are, are kind of on that same page if they they have the ability and the entitlement of being able to be blind to things because they've never been stuck in that position if that makes sense so like the left can believe things like like social justice because they've never really been faced with social injustice and the right can believe in things like the police force because they've never been placed placed in the position of not being able to trust the police they've never been there I think it's so, somewhat accurate to say that they do serve the, the, the ruling class or the, uh, the politicians in charge. And it would be pretty cool if libertarians could ever be in that role and have the opportunity to direct the police as they saw fit um, for a change, you know. Which what would, would that look like? I mean, what, what would a libertarian government make the police do? I mean, because to me, they would just fire them, <laughs> you know, no, I mean, let the well, market do that. 
Well, they or, would protect personal property, they just been right? After, like murders, rapists, and robbers, and, right? And, yeah, and thieves, property crimes. Yeah, well, that would fall into robbers. Yeah. Well, I so, think that it would look a lot like what what Joe Jorgensen and Spike are talking about <laughs> is that if we shift things from worrying about crimes against persons instead of crimes against the state, then it would look like a police force that actually does something for the people like we expect that they should. Right. Yeah, so, well, I mean, part of, you know, I think a tactic for cutting down, uh, cutting down on these police abuses and this excessive, um, you know, theft from the people would be to, you know, legalize drugs and just, I mean, all you can really do is we're not going to be able to dismantle the police. I mean, it's just not going to happen in our, in our lifetime. Um, but what we can do is, you know, at least try and get, you know, some of these laws repealed, you know, I, I think. Well, it, and it, when you talk about legalizing drugs, you also, that kind of leads into our next topic of yeah. over the counter birth control. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. We could get to that. Yeah. <laughs> I think so, I mean, this is kind of the same thing, like legalizing drugs, right? Yeah, yeah. it is. Those are drugs. Yeah, so California. Are, well, and the thing is, is that they're relatively, people are very scared of birth control. We've been, we've made it scary and stigmatized it for a long time, but really there are hormones in your body in places where, um, they have made it so a pharmacist can go ahead and just sell you birth control like they might with Sudafed. So it's, it's over the counter, but they're handing it to you from over the counter. It's not like in the aisle next to the aspirin. The pharmacist then gives you the check off of warning signs and, and lets you know what it is you should and should not do with it. So it's still somewhat controlled, but it eliminates a lot of the cost. So where a lot of people maybe can't afford it or now, um, or people are saying, well, um, all insurance should pay for it. Or sometimes they're asking for places like, like their workplace to pay for it or things like that. Well, you can afford it. It's 10 bucks for that month. Just, just pay your $10. In fact, Back before the Affordable Care Act, my birth control pills were $10 a month. Now, if I were to pay for it out of pocket per month, I believe it's closer to $50. Wow. Yeah. So if you don't have insurance, it's, it's that. And so there's that. And then also, how do we expect women to be able to not have children and to be able to control um, their family planning and, and their lives if they can't have access to something like tubal ligation, which is more permanent. And in a lot of places, you can't. You, can, you cannot have this done. Um, For the men out there, go ahead and tell everybody what that is. Oh, yeah. So tubal ligation, that's a good, that's a good point. It's it's what we commonly refer to as having your tubes tied, but they don't really tie it. What they do is they go in and they carterize it. Um, and to have that reversed, they have to then clip those pieces and then stitch it back together around where it was carterized. Um, very similar to what you might do in a vasectomy, actually. So, 
it's it's about the same just with your fallopian tubes it's but the thing is a man at 18 in most places in most states in most medical groups can go in and he can pay a couple hundred dollars and have a vasectomy and he gets to control whether or not he is going to have children for the rest of his life and whether or not he does he can but a woman they have all sorts of hoops different states have different laws on that and and people are so blind to this you hear from the republicans that it's especially that it's just irresponsible that you've had children well when most birth controls are not a hundred percent effective and they're not um they are pretty effective but if we're screaming lockdown measures and everybody has to hide in their house for the same percentage of people that might die versus the same percentage of people that might get pregnant doesn't that seem a little silly to you <laughs> right so it is still possible to get pregnant and it happens all the time where a birth control method fails and so it should be that we have access to something that's more permanent but we don't and sometimes that's because of various state laws but it's also because of religion because a lot of medical groups are actually catholic based and they don't want women to do this and so they think that we should have permission from our husband i'm serious this is really a thing that you should get you should at least have x amount of children and permission from your husband in order to have this done so you can't just walk in and decide you want it done at 18. you have to wait and even at 42 with one child i'm still denied for this particular procedure wow i could probably work really hard to find somebody to do it but it's pretty difficult because a doctor working within a medical group cannot just decide one day that he's going to go ahead and do these procedures if he does then he can't work within that medical group anymore and as we've socialized medicine what's happened is a medical group might control all of the medicine in one whole state so that means that if you decide to provide this service, if you perform this service and you go against the wishes of the medical group, then you would not be able to practice anywhere in the state, not because you lost your license, but because there's nowhere to work. Isn't that yeah. ridiculous? All of yeah. that's ridiculous. And then people want to look down on women that have then had children going, oh, well, you're irresponsible and you should have planned better and you should have done this or that. Well, I have story after story on my wall right now of women that tried to have this done and then had three children because they couldn't. And, and sure, they love their children, and that's a great thing, but maybe their lives would have been easier if they could have planned around that and just been allowed to do it. So there is not access to a procedure that you should be able to do. And then... But you can go and get an abortion. So you can't prevent it, but once you're pregnant, you can go ahead and terminate the pregnancy, but then you're really evil because you had an abortion. 
<laughs> well, and it's like really big education. <laughs> well, to me, the whole point is get the state completely out of not just drugs, but all medicine. Like of, of, why of in the first place? Get the state governments get to decide the stuff. Yeah, well, and if, if we stop having socialized medicine, I know everybody thinks they want that, but then you're stuck with something like an HMO. Then you're stuck with something like a monopoly on the healthcare, which is exactly what's happened, where now you can't get a procedure done because this one medical group says they just don't like it. See how that's a problem? Yeah, they become a monopoly. The single payer, that payer decides what they're going to pay for and not pay for. So they get a lot of control over health care. Yeah, they have control over everybody's health care and they can decide what services to provide or not. And then you can't have those things done in that state if they decide not to provide it. <laughs> and so that's when we talk about access to birth control, this is one of those things that is socialized medicine denying that access. Mm. And, and people are not getting this socialized medicine said you can't have this procedure done. They just don't want to pay. That's what they, they want. They want free, free medical care. That's the dream. Yeah, well, and it's people, like, think, people think, yay, I don't have to pay for anything. But in reality, you are paying for it and you're paying even more for it. And then you also are not getting the health care that you need or want. And you have no options to go anywhere else. So, like, before the ACA, you could not be turned away from an emergency room. It was against the law. An emergency room had to treat you. They had to. Um, and if you walked into the emergency room, and then they would sort out payment later. Um, now, after the ACA, the emergency room can turn you away. And the problem we're finding with that through things like the pandemic is people like that shouldn't have died, died from something like coronavirus. Well, they got turned away. People are now dying at home because they can't get into the emergency room. And I witnessed this lately where they were stopping people at the door of the emergency room. They, if they had coronavirus symptoms, they were sending them home just outright. So they could not get treatment in the hospital if they didn't have a severe enough injury or problem where it needed very immediate medical attention, they were also turning them away. And so all of these people are now, and, and there's statistics on it, but it's not being put forth in the media much. All of these people are dying at home from preventable things because they can't get seen. Isn't that a problem? Like, now we have socialized medicine. There it is. Woohoo. <laughs> Just go die at home. There's your socialized medicine. Well, I'm convinced. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, you, preaching to the choir. But it's good for the, you know, good for the listeners. You never know who's listening and hearing these thoughts and ideas for the first time and learning something from it, you know, and being like, oh, I never thought about that. I only ever heard good things about um, single payer health care. Are you implying so, that this is an educational podcast, Kyle? It yeah. can be. You can learn a lot from this show, for sure. 
<laughs> and of course all we've heard is good things because lobbyists, the master charge system, lobbyists for the master charge system and the hospital system, and if you don't know what the master charge or charge master, um, they call it both, is, go and look it up, and if you wonder why medical bills are what they are, you'll be very angry. Um, <laughs> so if you go look that up, you'll see all of these overinflated prices are, are there, but they spend more on lobbyists and publicists than, than three industries combined. I believe it's uh, war, tobacco, and what was the third one? <laughs> Something. So they spend more money on lobbying to keep an illegal system in place and publicity to make you believe that you want more money spent on them. So of course you've heard nothing but good things about socialized medicine. Meanwhile, it's said that libertarians just want people to die in the street, right? But under socialized medicine, they right now are. <laughs> this is currently happening. Yeah, and I mean, those points are so great because they let you hammer somebody on the left who doesn't want poor people dying in the street. But you're saying, hey, these, these socialist systems, they hurt the disenfranchised the most. They hurt the marginalized populations the most. So if that's who you're saying you care about, then you need to get the government out of it completely and not let them choose and not let the choices be demolished by regulatory systems and not let there be price fixing like that billing system is. Yeah, the price fixing, exactly. So you know what it is. Right. And um, the, the problem is, you know, part of the problem is that they associate what we have now with a free market system. Right. They, they falsely believe that we live in some free market paradise or, or dystopian uh, dystopia where, you know, this is the free market and this is all a product of just greedy corporations existing in a free market when in actuality it's, it's the farthest thing from a free market. You have the worst. You have a corporatist, you know, pharmaceutical industries in bed with the government, in bed with the FDA, um, you know, price manipulation, price fixing, like you're like you're referring to regulations, red tape, all red restrictions, patent laws, all this kind of shit. That's nothing. Yeah. That's has nothing to do with the free market at all. So it's it's just hard to pry people from that because they've done you know they've done a good job of propagandizing people into thinking that that's that this is what a free this is what real true capitalism is. And, you know, the reality is it's, it's more socialist than anything. It's just, it might not be full socialism. It not, might not be Medicare for all or, um, you know, whatever, but uh, it's, it's, it's pretty close. Well, you're right. Corporatism is not capitalism and it, that is not a free market. So all of this corporate welfare and shoveling money at these industries is, is totally ruining it. So you're dead on. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, um, guys, I know, I know we only planned on going until nine. So if anybody's got to bail, um, feel free to go ahead. But I wanted to keep going. So if anybody does have to bail, feel, feel free to go ahead. But uh, peace out, guys. I had a blast. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. 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 I unfortunately kind of do too. And thanks for letting me have my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. So I, I want to. Uh, awesome. Thanks for coming on, Ginger. Thanks, y'all. Peace out. Yeah. See you guys. Yeah. Bye. So, all right. So the the Cali wealth tax. 
So, like, apparently, uh, California is trying to pass a new wealth tax, which will actually punish people who moved from the state, like, up to 10 years back. It'll, it'll try to tax them for that, uh, for that time. Like, if you move from the state, you're taxed for, like, 10 years after moving. It's like, how is that even possible? Yeah, I don't, how, yeah, how is that possible? I, they would have to have a record of the people. And then, I mean, I guess enforcement could be difficult depending on, because California's jurisdiction doesn't go wherever this, if this person moves to Canada or moves to some other state, you know, how does California collect on that tax? How do they enforce it? Um, so if the person really resists paying, it could that could be difficult. So I don't think this has passed yet. I thought it was just one of their bonkers proposals. <laughs> it's it's funny that they're actually thinking about it. I mean, not funny, but funny in a in a like a ridiculous kind of way. Um, yeah, they're just you know they're a bunch of thieves. There's really no no way to nice way to put it. Yeah, it just seems like really insane. It's like, how can you tax somebody 10 years after moving? It's just, yeah. I mean, that's just desperation. I yeah. did hear that it was a small, that it was a small percentage. I think like uh, 0.5% of your, I guess, overall wealth. Um, but I could be, I could have that number wrong. I mean, that's actually not that small of a number, but that it would be interesting <laughs> to have a wealth tax as opposed to an income tax. We don't currently have that. We just have, you pay on what you earn, not on what you have. So well, they would have to have some mechanism. So this is a wealth tax. I believe so. Yeah. So they would have to uh -huh. be able to calculate what is the value of your stocks, bonds, your house, your car, your, your cash accounts, you know, well, like that uh, you wait, but hold on. That you accumulated within that six months, or just that you've accumulated your whole life? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> That's so ridiculous, Steve. Right? It would be a you're just going to tax somebody for just having saved up a certain amount of money and invest like that. You'd just, be like, well, I I was a millionaire, but uh, now I'm broke. So yeah, sorry. well, yeah. I mean, how easy would it be to just fucking if you have real money? How easy would it be to just move that shit offshore? A lot of tax compliance you know? relies on self-reporting. And so if people right. aren't self-reporting to California how much they actually have, it would be really difficult to enforce. And that's something that will come up when they're trying to pass this is they're going to go, well, how are we going to assess this? It's easy to go to a house and say, hey, this house is worth 300000 and so we're going to charge a property tax on it because it's sitting on this land that we can see. But if somebody's you don't know where their online accounts are. You don't know what bank accounts they have. You have no way of figuring out what their wealth is. And they, they're, they live half across, halfway across the country. So, you know, um, that's, that's a tough one. But like you were saying, like a or desperate one of, move to like threaten people that are thinking about moving out of California. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, if you move, we're still going to, we're still going to fuck you. So it's a money grab. You better stay. I have no idea why all these rich people, how all these rich people live in California, how they have so many wealthy businesses, because everything you hear out of there is like that they're just absolutely batshit, you know. So they're they're anti-business, they're they're high tax, and yet, you know, yeah, lots of rich know. people live there. Wait, wait, I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot to do with like the industries that are out there. So like Hollywood, right? I mean. That's where Hollywood is, and it's been there for uh, you know a hundred years. So mm -hmm. the you know the rich celebrities that are out there that circulate around Hollywood, like even like Adam Carolla, who we talk about, I mean he's still like a Hollywood guy, you know. Yeah. Um, 
He grew up in Hollywood. He's still dependent. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's still dependent on that industry to a degree. Although I guess he has his like pirate ship or whatever he calls it, but like, you know. Um, but that's where the industry is. That's where the comedy industry is. Although that's changing because of COVID and um, and these taxes and stuff. But and then you yeah. have Silicon Valley, which exists out there. Yeah. Which I guess at one point it was a. They they must have had some incentive to start it out there. Maybe it was. I don't know. Maybe it was just. I'm not sure. I, I don't know that much about the genesis of. That's uh, something to look into. But I, you know, maybe it had to do with the weather. Who the fuck knows? And and maybe the taxes weren't as bad in like the the, the mid '80s. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it's just like the industries and just like well, you know, the connections that you can make by living out there and being amongst those people. But you know, I th- I feel like especially with COVID and moving things moving to to online, I, I feel like that shit is 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 changing. So I think yeah. California is probably having a bit of a death rattle right now well speaking of california the other news that goes with this topic was that they're uh talking about uber and lyft are going to leave because california Mm. is saying that you have to treat these independent drivers instead of as independent contractors you have to treat them as employees and then that comes with all the rights and benefits that are mandated for employees so i mean it's just a perfect example of backfiring where the government passes laws that are supposed to be favorable to employees that actually make it way more expensive to hire people and kill jobs. And so it's not going to benefit all these people who are making money um, driving for Uber right now if Uber leaves and they lose that source of income, <laughs> right. right? They they are worth all. Oh, benefits work? I had leftist friends that were like cheering this. Like, well, there was an announcement that I didn't realize they had actually moved out, but I had heard that they had temporarily shut down in the, in these locations. Um, it might've even just been global, like globally, or at least I think they're getting ready for it, for the, the mandate, which is you cannot have these people keep these people on as independent contractors. And they're like, well, we can't afford them as employees. So you leave us with no choice. Right. And, and even, even more fundamental, I pointed out to the socialist I was talking to, I was like, you know, the left has this mentality that it's worker versus business. And it's like that Uber driver is benefiting from that relationship. He's getting paid. It's a source of income to him. If he was being exploited, it would make sense for him to stop doing it. But he doesn't because it's, it's a benefit to him, you know? Right. So it's not business versus worker like you guys always say it is. And they're not being exploited. They're taking advantage of an opportunity and getting extra cash. Right. And I mean, look, I can see for, you know, voluntarily organizing maybe a bunch of Uber drivers aside, they want to, you know, negotiate for a, for more benefits or something like that, you know. Um, but the reality is like there are tons of people that would be willing to drive an Uber and don't give a shit about benefits, right? Like I have a buddy who's got a full-time job who I, I think he stops but he was just driving for extra cash. He doesn't yeah. give a shit about fucking benefits from that. He's just driving around making, you know, an extra hundred bucks a week or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's, it's just benefits, like, benefits are a form of non-cash compensation. They're right. paying you more 
by giving you a benefit by paying your health insurance premiums instead of you having to pay them you know or and, and even having time off paid time off you could think of it in terms of well okay that's time I'm not working um, but I'm getting paid so that means I'm really getting paid a little tiny bit more for all the days that I am working um, you know it's just how you would spread it out but yeah, it, it, a benefit is a, is a non-cash compensation and it can easily be converted to cash. In fact, my company has contractors that we pay and we, we just pay them more. There's a premium, they get paid a higher rate, a higher hourly rate, but there's no benefits along with it. So they, they calculate how, what's the value of those benefits and then they just pay cash and then it's up to that contractor to go out and buy their insurance or um, yeah, it's typically health insurance or invest for their own retirement or figure it out. Just take, they just take the cash instead of the benefit. Right. Exactly. Now, yeah. if you're going to make me give you benefit, I have to reduce the amount of cash that I can pay you because that that's the same, it's the same pool of money. That's money I have allocated for compensation. So whether I give you cash or I give you benefits either way, you know, I, I can't, I can't do both. Cool. So, uh, guys, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, we did go like a little bit over. Um, so we have uh, T-shirts at libertariancountry.com. If you type in the code PRL or the code PRL podcast, you'll receive a 10% discount. If you spend $100 or more and you, you – know, I'm sorry, if you spend $50 or more and you use the code PRL2, you'll receive a 20% discount. Uh, we also have an after-hours program that we're not doing tonight, but we do on Sundays. And if you want to check that out, you can uh, help us out at patreon.com forward slash punk rock libertarians. And if you contribute a minimum of $1 per month, you'll be able to gain access to our after-hours program and help to keep the lights on down here in Anarchy Basement. This podcast is also brought to you in part by Conversations About Freedom Podcast, hosted by Moral Bob. Until next time, live free or die. Statism is good break with the blood that is shed. Drenching the flags of the tax bombs and bread. Wasn't by a few at the expense of the many. Soldiers and cards and their machine. You can't justify killing by economic gain. God, country, and democracy You can put freedom in that point In a fine land You support the truth, then bring them home I believe the jokes Will do the best for you And I believe that we Have the power Have the power I hate the state And I know I'm a slave We can make a break Break the power Break the power Not aggression principle, the violence of the state becomes obsolete!